good. Anakin, good. <laughs> Kill him. Kill him now. I shouldn't. Do it. He was too dangerous to be kept alive. Yes, but he was an unarmed prisoner. I shouldn't have done that. It's not the Jedi way. Your hate has made you powerful. Now, fulfill your destiny and take your father's place at my side. failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. My worthy apprentice, son of darkness, heir apparent to Lord Vader, where there was conflict, I now sense resolve. Where there was weakness, strength, complete your training and fulfill your Destiny. I know what I have to do. You think you can turn him, pathetic child? I cannot be betrayed. I cannot be beaten. I see his mind. I see his every intent. Yes. I see him turning the lightsaber to strike true. And now, foolish child, he ignites it and kills his true enemy. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl Leclerc and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 274, Throne Room Duels. 
I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Ben Solo to my Anakin Skywalker, we have Carl LeClaire. What a great comparison, Grandpa. Love it. Oh, I know. We have all that <laughs> flippy hair. Oh, I wish I had, like, wavy, thick hair like that. Oh, my God. Oh, my, oh. my hair is depressingly thin. So is mine. Um, you know, that's what's so funny. Like, that's a great comparison because those are similar hairstyles, and we do in real life have similar hairstyles. They're just <laughs> thin and short. Short, yes. <laughs> And, and not thin as in I'm losing my hair. Thin as in that's just the way it came. And I wish I had thicker hair because running my... Never mind. I'm going to stop. <laughs> this, well, um, physical attributes aside, uh, I am... Because they don't matter on a podcast. They really don't. <laughs> Can you see us? Can you? Can you? No. Can All right. Um, Jason, I... I in light of Last Jedi being out now, and now it's right, the, the digital release is out now for, for home release, which I initially said I was going to just wait and get the Blu-ray because I kind of wanted the hard copy, but I couldn't help myself. I really needed to see those special features. I really wanted to start watching this at home. So I, I obviously purchased it digitally. And just like when Force Awakens came out, you and I quickly jumped into uh, an episode idea where we could bridge all three trilogies and that's kind of the point Mm -hmm. of this episode i thought it'd be really fun to take um some really uh, significant powerful moments in the star wars saga and talk about them and we're going to key in specifically on these throne room duels that happen that um you're kind of at the pinnacle point of of a character's development so we're looking at the the duel with dooku and revenge of the sith between him and anakin and then obviously that climactic duel between vader and luke um, and Return of the Jedi, and then the the essentially the the whole throne room sequence comes to a head um, in Last Jedi with Rey, Kylo, and, and Snoke. And the one thing, and we'll we'll get more into this in a little bit here, but to me anyway, the the scene in Last Jedi is ultimately it's a it's that scene is about Kylo more than Rey. Um, that's my opinion, um, but I really think that that is a defining moment for Kylo. So we're essentially going to be looking at. Uh, Anakin, Luke, and Kylo, and how these specific moments are very defining for who they choose to be. Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I, um, I'm excited to do this because I mean, it's duels, obviously, but it's so much more than just a lightsaber duel, right? Um, right, and and I hopefully you didn't mind the like almost four minute intro here, but I just wanted to get those, those, those high points of each of these scenes that we're going to be talking about so that we don't have to do it later in the episode. And hopefully it got you jacked up a bit and, and excited. And again, it's fun to be able to play last Jedi clips now that it's uh it's out for home release. Yeah. Yeah. And, and besides that, I mean, who doesn't like a bunch of dual stuff when we are doing our Wampa's lair madness 2018 character tournament, Carl. What? How's that for a segue? (laughs) Oh, was perfect until you said it. Um, (laughs) Well, that's true. (laughs) No, yeah. So once again, as as we announced last week on the episode, we we've decided. Jason and I thought it'd be really fun to do a uh, this is madness tournament again, since StarWars.com yet again is doesn't seem to be doing one this year and. And I'm, I'm, I know that so many of you are probably so excited about those the last few years. Um, I know I was. I printed my bracket off at the beginning of every season because I could care less about the NCAA March Madness. Um, and uh, Star Wars Star Wars March Madness is where my heart is. So oh, yeah. last year, you and I had a great time coming up with um, 
a really big bracket and and running that tournament all the way through to its completion where where we were at when we were at celebration which was awesome um but uh yeah so this year we decided to ask you know again all, you guys um what you wanted what characters you wanted to see on there and um we we started with a 32 character bracket um just so it doesn't take too long and uh, we, we had 48 uh, character recommendations from, from all of you. So, of course, we had to unfortunately cut you know, several of them. And then we cut a few extras just because um, Jason and I we wanted, we, to we wanted a few. In there. Yeah, we wanted to get a few of our characters, namely, like for me, Embo. I really wanted Embo in there. So, uh, <laughs> so apologies that we had to cut some of them. But uh, again, and, and I want full attention to be, to be known that. I was not the one who put Captain Kennedy on the list, okay? I, <laughs> oh, I, that was, I fought for him, didn't I? You, you did. I. <laughs> someone else suggested him, so he ended up on the list, suggestions list, and I was like, oh, yeah, sure. And then we started cutting them down, and I was like, well, we can cut Kennedy if you want. And Carl was like, no, we're going to leave him there. So I was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I like no. I like how you fought for one of my favorites. Carl. I did it for you, man. You, you know, I mean, when you when you podcast with somebody for over six years, you know, you you want to be faithful to them. You want to give them a good time. So, <laughs> well, um, well, that brought warm feelings to my heart. So. Well, you know, I just I, I I couldn't cut him, and we had to get him on there, even if it was five bloody minutes ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So he, yes, he um, will be coming up soon in in the 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 tournament matchup. So again, we're going to be doing one of these a day from Monday through Friday. Again, over the weekend, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hit pause. Um, but this will go right through the first week of April. We have lives over the weekend and we don't have the opportunity to always post over the weekend. So yeah. it's no guarantee it would have, <laughs> it would get posted on the weekend. So right. We'll no, this, that this was a lot of fun. So Sunday I had like a, a long day at work and I finally was able to get everything done. And and I was so happy that you were online too. So we were able to kind of build this together, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, again, we just want you to participate. And again, you can find this on any of our social media, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and uh, one thing we want to encourage you to do is, of course, share it. Right? Share it on share it on your social media. Um, the more, the merrier. Um, what one thing we did do this year that we uh, kind of again you, you learn from your mistakes as Yoda says failure the greatest teacher failure is um, and uh, last year right like we would have some of the matchups where we would get like two hundred responses and we realized it's because we weren't limiting people so if somebody really wanted a character to win right they could just refresh vote for that character refresh vote for that character so this year we are yeah. limiting to one response and so that does require you to have a google account i know the vast majority of people do have either a gmail or some sort of google account if you don't just take a quick second to make one if you want to play along i mean it, it's free so um but those of you who don't please don't feel like you're not welcome to, to play along because of course you can just make a quick google account yeah. Yeah. No, we, there was some, uh, how shall we say vote stacking going on last year uh, on a few, uh, matchups. So we, um, we wanted to put an end to that this year. So we're a little more restrictions so that we can make sure everyone's honest on this and not, you know, manipulating things like Palpatine or Snoke. Um, <laughs> So, and I do want to uh, give a quick shout out to one of our Twitter uh, Larians uh, at Count Mallet. He's the one who actually reminded me about the 
doing this um, several weeks ago. He was like, hey, are you guys going to be doing that again this year? And I was like, oh, that's a good question. Maybe. So and that's when I talked to Carl. Um, So yeah, thank you. Thank you at Count Mallet for reminding us about this. Um, yeah, I, it certainly was ju- just wasn't on my radar this year. Um, so I'm really glad he reminded us because uh, I love doing these every day. I know it's so much fun, and, and honestly, I, I spend way too much time checking the results. Oh, me too. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone in that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so yes, keep them coming. Share them every day. Stop back every morning. You know when we'll post the results from the previous day, and then. What is it? About an hour or so later, we'll post the next one. Is that how it goes? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I had an early day today. I, I got into to my office at like seven a.m. So I uh, I posted the results right at seven a.m. It normally won't be that early, um, but then I'll yeah. Then I waited a couple hours to post the new matchup. And obviously, I'm on the Eastern's Eastern you know timetable. So any of you who are on the West Coast, um, <laughs> it'll all be up by the time was, you wake up. It was up, up anyway. for yeah. It was up for you at four a.m. So <laughs> right. <laughs> So yeah, uh, but keep checking in, keep sharing, and we really want to see where this goes this year. I'm really excited for what happens in in round two because these first these first ones are going to be you know pretty fun. But then we start getting in some of the big names hitting each other, um, and I'm really excited to see what happens then. So yeah, for sure. So um, well, Jason, without further ado, let's let's venture into some throne rooms. <laughs> I feel I feel like we need um, the the throne room music from the end of uh, a new hope playing as we walk into this but it's, moment in our podcast. It's, it's a very different type of throne room setting, I would say. That, that is true, but um, you say throne room, and I'm I know, right? Yeah, you, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> what comes to mind is is a new hope. Um, yes. But uh, yeah, very, 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 very different types of throne rooms. But here, why not? You know, I mean, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> to threaten you with a good time every time we podcast call. That's true, my friend. We'll give this a second. Okay. Without further ado, we bring you to the throne room of the Invisible Hand, where a shackled Supreme Chancellor Palpatine sits in fear of the great Count Dooku. But have no fear, is my he, friends. Is he really afraid? Is, is he? he? Is he? But <laughs> in stride, these two confident, young, and handsome Jedi Knights, Mr. Mm, yes. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Sir Anakin Skywalker. Are you <laughs> all right? inquires young Anakin. Count Dooku responds, the Supreme Chancellor of the Galaxy. Your swords, please, gentlemen. We don't want to make a mess of things in front of the Chancellor. I'm Your done. swords, please. We don't want to make a mess of things in front of the Chancellor. <laughs> there we go. Be accurate. <laughs> yeah, you know. um, it's Count Dooku, for goodness sake. <laughs> Count Dooku coming at you. Panaka. <laughs> Panaka. Red Count Dooku coming around the Canyon Dune Turn. <laughs> Wait a oh. <laughs> <laughs> Red group, everybody this way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh man. The question is, Carl, are we actually going to get the discussion at all? Um, I mean, <laughs> we've probably already lost half our listeners, so whatever. Sure. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, no, Jason, I mean, so let's, let's dive into this moment in Revenge of the Sith, right? I mean, it's, okay. it's this, it's, you're right, a, a powerful moment where, um, Anakin, cause again, it's, it's ultimately about Anakin, um, in yes. a way, um, there's, there's, there's typically a third party in all of these scenes, which to me in a way is just kind of a pawn. And that's Obi-Wan in this moment, right? Obi-Wan is simply there as, uh, an obstacle, right? And again, if you've, if you've read the Revenge of the Sith novel, which if you've listened to the show at all, you know how much I adore that novel. Um, mm-hmm. the Revenge of the Sith novel, the, almost the first third of the novel um, is the opening battle of Coruscant. I mean, the middle section is much more truncated. I mean, you don't get any of the Kashyyyk stuff. You don't get any of the, the you know, the the expansive Order 66 stuff. Um, the story is really expanded here at the beginning, and a lot of it has to do with being told from Dooku's perspective, and ultimately yeah. Dooku is told by by Palpatine before the Jedi arrive, you know, essentially play your part, you know, take out, you know, take out Kenobi first, that'll enrage Skywalker enough to overpower you, you know, let him overpower you, and, uh, you know, this is all part of his plan, it's this mechanization he's putting into in, into into play, and Dooku kind of reluctantly agrees to go along with it, Um because he believes this is where he gets captured and they'll start wrapping up the war because Palpatine's plan is coming to a head. Um, that's why he goes along with it. Right. Um, so. Right. But that is not what Palpatine really has in mind. No. Right. Yeah. So, like, ultimately what 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 is motivating Palpatine here is this is an opportunity for him to, to really push Anakin over the edge into the dark side. He's aware yes. of what he did on, on Tatooine with the sand people. Um, and again, in, in, if you've watched clone wars, right? Like um, he's, he's constantly put Anakin in situations where he tries to get Anakin to turn. And again, one of my favorite episodes in all of the clone wars is the one when um, right. The, the plot to kill Sidious by Cad Bane and Dooku and all that. Right. And it ta- everything goes down on Naboo and Anakin yeah. goes to have dinner or goes into a dinner you know, dining room with, with Palpatine and there's Dooku waiting for them. And oh my gosh, that is such a good scene. Oh, it really it is. is. And, a moment. and right. And it's the same plot. And essentially Palpatine is see, I think there he's trying to figure out is Anakin strong enough. And, and Anakin isn't at that point, right? He's not powerful enough to overcome Dooku. Um, but well, uh, he starts showing tendencies to overpower Dooku. Dooku is on the retreat um, for much of that duel. Right. Um, That's true. So, so Anakin, he's not able to overtake Dooku, but he is able to get the upper hand on Dooku. And I think this is where Palpatine really starts to solidify. Yes, this is going to be my new apprentice. I just need a few more pushes, a few more tweaks, and he's mine. Yeah. Yeah. And, And that's what happens here in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And and I think when Anakin strolls into that throne room, his motivation, again, because I think you always have the manipulator and the manipulated, um, in yes. a way, right? And 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 they both come at come at these moments with different um, different goals in mind, different objectives. Palpatine's obviously is to push Anakin into the dark side, but Anakin's is simply to rescue his friend. Again, Anakin is still he's still a heroic character. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he has, uh, you know, a, a very close relationship. Palpatine is very much uh, a father figure for Anakin in the prequels. And he knows the kind of monsters that Grievous and Dooku are. So he strolls in there and he's going to do whatever it takes to rescue his friend. Um, and uh, I think what's really different for Anakin at this point, right? The Clone Wars have been raging for a few years. Um, again, if you've watched Clone Wars, you know Anakin has fought Dooku a few times within them. But it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's everything has kind of come to the he- to a head in this moment, and and Anakin makes the decision here, like this is it. This is going to be the final fight. Either I kill him or he'll kill me. Um, right. There's no more, you know, I mean, even Obi-Wan says it at the beginning of the fight, right. You won't escape this time, Dooku. Um, and right. they're very committed to that. Anakin, especially, um, yeah. this, there, there's a, a sense of, of, I don't want to say finality, but there's a sense of, of something ending when you, you know, when you get to this point, uh, the separatists failed in their attempt to, you know, capture Camino and end the production of clone troopers. So now they're trying a, you know, what could be seen as a last desperate gamble on capturing Coruscant and the chancellor. Um, and when you reach out that much and it appears is losing quite a few ships they're they're taking a beating doing this. Um, then it, it feels like the end is near. Um, and so Anakin is there to make sure that is the case, to rescue his friend Palpatine, and to put an end to Dooku's war. And I think also, in a sense, there's the back of his mind that he wants to um, get get Dooku uh, off the main scene because Dooku was a Jedi. And he's putting a, you know giving Jedi a bad name by leading the Separatists. So I think there's a little bit of that, but not not much. So. Sure. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um. Yeah. Right. And um. Th- this this moment here for Anakin is is a lot about him. Right. It's Palpatine manipulating his fear of loss. His mm-hmm. right. He does not want to lose this father figure. Palpatine manipulates that. Um. But in a way, too, Anakin has throughout the Clone Wars has been submissive, not willingly, but submissive to Dooku's motives. And, you know, Dooku has always called the shots. And I think Anakin's fed up with that. Anakin wants to take control. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Dooku's always been the one on the offensive, really. He's, you know, when they confront each other, Dooku's generally the one on the offensive, generally the one with the upper hand. Anakin's, you know, tired of that. And so Dooku's made this attempt from his viewpoint on the chancellor. So he's going to take the offensive and take that back and put an end to this. Right. Um, yeah. And, and go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, well, and like Anakin knows he shouldn't do this. Right. So the, the, right. right. This defining moment is, you know, he, 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 he overpowers Dooku literally <laughs> um, disarms <Disarmed> him. <laughs> Um, I guess we shouldn't laugh at dismemberment. Um, and no. right, like he—he's the one who finally is in control now. And Palpatine's command is to kill him. And Anakin's response immediately is, is, "I shouldn't." And he knows he shouldn't, right? Like this is a man who's literally defenseless now. It is not the Jedi way. 
yeah. to strike someone down in that c- scenario. And, and it had me thinking as I was, as I was, as I was thinking of these moments this morning, um, you know, that line that Yoda delivers to Ezra in rebels about, you know, it, it a jet, what's important is how a Jedi chooses to win. Right. Um, that, that is just as important as how a Jedi chooses to fight is, is it, right. How do you choose to win the battle? Um, and this is not the Jedi way, right? It's, it's, it's not, um, the Jedi are not aggressive. They are not executioners. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but keep us the peace, not soldiers. Yeah. Except now. Right. We're generals. Right. <laughs> um, so in this kind of defining moment for Anakin, we learn that he is willing to be the executioner. And that's such a big moment because that seals his fate as Darth Vader, because that's all that Vader ultimately becomes for the emperor is his executioner, right? He's his muscle. He's his brute force. He's his monster. And this is the first act of that. Yes. Anakin was a monster against the, the sand people, but now he's doing it at the beck and call of a master, right? Um, He, in a way enslaves himself again in this moment. Um, Yes. He definitely wants to, he wants to have revenge, um, and and Palpatine gives him that permission, right? Oh, like, yeah. it, 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 just think of somebody you really respect and and admire, and they tell you, "Oh, go ahead and do this. You're going to do it, especially if you really want to." Right? He cut off your arm. You wanted revenge. You know, it's perfectly natural. Remember what you told me about your mother and the sand people. <laughs> that, it's a horrible sand people sound, but yeah. great sound so. cue there. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I yeah, know. And then, you know, I shouldn't do it. Okay. You know, <laughs> he's, a, he, I think sometimes because Anakin is so powerful, we forget he's also so young. Yeah. Yeah. He's still barely into his twenties at this point. You know, he's 22, 23 at this point. Yeah. He's still so young and impressionable because he is so powerful because he has the rank of, of general and he's a Jedi Knight and he's, you know, well respected and in a sense also feared in the Jedi order. Um, I think sometimes we, we lose sight of, of the fact that he is still very impressionable, very young and, um, I think that's important to, to keep in the back of our minds here. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this, this initial moment, then this, this initial uh, throne room scene with Anakin is, is ultimately we see Anakin seal his fate as Palpatine's executioner. He, he, ch- he willingly chooses to make that descent into the darkness yeah. Um, while while obviously his full commitment is later in the movie, this is the this is the that domino. This is that domino that that final moment where it could have been stopped, yeah. and that domino just gets knocked over right here, and it's all downhill for Anakin. Right. Yeah. So then you know, uh, fast forward to Return of the Jedi, and you know, I, I think it's important to note. Obviously, as I'm sure everyone listening would would not be surprised by this, um, but right, it's very clear that George made these scenes to mirror one another. Um, oh yeah, 
you know, they both come in the final chapter of their trilogies. Um, they're both about making those final defining uh, uh, moments clear about who these characters are going to be. Um, they're both in the throne room. They're both in the presence of Palpatine. Um, but Palpatine is a very different character, obviously, in both scenes, right? The first one, he is he is very sub, uh, sub, subvert, subvertly manipulating. Return subversive? of the G- Subversive, thank you. My goodness. Um, but yeah, Palpatine is much more subversive in Revenge of the Sith. Whereas in Return of the Jedi, he's much more in your face about it. Oh yeah, he, he doesn't. He's old. He's in charge. He doesn't give a crap if you know what he's doing or not. Right. Because I think ultimately, if Luke doesn't work out, whatever, I'll just kill him. Right. Um, he, he doesn't have the same level of investment. Of, this will end one of two ways, and both of them are beneficial to me. Either he will join me, and I will get rid of Vader, or he will die, and I'll be rid of a threat. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Palpatine's a much different character here and right. He doesn't, he doesn't have the same level of investment in Luke's turn as he did with Anakin's. And again, that makes sense. He doesn't need it the way he did with Anakin, right? Right. Um, Anakin was the chosen one. You know, he's uh, this extremely innately powerful Jedi. Um, And he's, you know, he's in the midst of his, his plans to overthrow the Republic. But at this point, he's the emperor. Who cares? Like you said, Jason, that's so well put. He's either going to get a new, more powerful apprentice or he just eliminates the only real threat that exists. Yeah. Because um, yeah. up to this point, Vader has take, taken on any comer and come out on top. So he's still proving that, you know, while while he's not as as powerful and as skilled as he could have been had he not been in the suit, he's still the only one who can stand at the at Palpatine's side, right. you know, and, and, and we've seen a lot of those challenges, especially in the comics um, to Vader, uh, to Vader's authority and Vader's power. So, um, so yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things where Vader so far has been able to withstand any challenge. And so that's what, that's what Luke is in Palpatine's eyes. This is another challenge Vader. If he wins, great. He still proves himself. And I've still got a whipped puppy, you know, at my beck and call. But if Luke wins, I get to upgrade. So <laughs> exactly. That's, that's all it is to Palpatine. Right. And that's also, yeah, good. It's a tool. He's, he's another tool. You know, at this point, Palpatine isn't, has lost all pretense of caring because he spends so much time and energy building a relationship and building this this stuff between him and Anakin during the prequels so much time energy and care is taken into making Anakin feel like he can trust Palpatine right that's not happening with Luke yeah all the cards are on the table I've got the more powerful deck come at me bro (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's me bro <laughs> zap <laughs> right yeah um yeah and and you know i mean you've you've pretty much said it you know for for palpatine his motivation here is simply to either turn luke or destroy luke that's simple yeah. it's black or white for him um but luke has a very different motivation his motivation is to redeem his father um Although I think right initially Luke's only intention in a way uh, 
um, is he is hoping to prove as a distraction so that his friends can succeed. It's very Last Jedi, if you think about it. Um, yeah. You know, he shows up, uh, he surrenders himself to Vader. And I think when he initially surrenders himself, his hope is to turn his father there on Endor on that catwalk, right? Like, yeah. he's pleading with him there. His hope is that Vader will turn there and then maybe together they'll go deal with the Emperor or together they'll do something else. But when, you know, when Vader doesn't relent there and says, you know, Luke says, like, you know, my father's truly dead. I think Luke really is heartbroken there. Like, damn it. I really thought I got through to him there. And yeah. when Vader takes him to the or, yeah, takes him to the emperor, I think Luke's Luke has pretty much surrendered himself to death at that point. Like, well, whatever. I'll stay here. I'll keep them distracted so that my friends can take the station out and I'm happy to go out with it. Right. Because yeah. I know that it also means the eradication of the emperor. Um, so, uh, you know, um, Luke kind of goes into that throne room, throne room, just thinking I'm going to be a distraction. Um, but once he realizes that, you know, the emperor has set everything up, you know, he's got a legion of his best troops down on Endor. The fleet is just hiding and going to ambush the, the Alliance fleet when it shows up. Yeah. That's when Luke takes action, right? Yeah. Um, and I would say that Luke takes action because he's thinking, oh, crap. I don't know if they're going to succeed. I've got to do what I can to cut the head off the snake. Right. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I would agree because uh, he seems very, you know, he's very calm. He's very passive until Palpatine starts bringing up his friends and their mission. You know, he's, um, you know, a legion of my best troops awaits them. And then he leans in. Oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. And then he starts bringing up the fact that, oh, yeah, that super weapon, it's ready. It's armed. <laughs> yep. This fully armed and operational battle station. Fire at will, Commander. And that's when Luke starts panicking a little bit, and he has to take action. And so... Um, yeah, you're right. It, when that happens, when his friends are threatened, when the rebellion's plans are threatened, Luke jumps into action because up until that point, he's been calm. He's been cool and collected and he's, you know, feels like, you know, there's no point in hurrying this along. Um, but yeah, and that's when he strikes at the emperor and Vader says, no, and they start <laughs> no, dueling. No. At no. Well, Vader says no. <laughs> and and well, not quite. But yeah. <laughs> and you know, just like in Revenge of the Sith with Obi Wan, who's kind of the pawn. Vader's really just a pawn in all of this. Oh yeah. Um. And but yeah, no. I, yeah, great point. Though. Yeah, you know, I mean, Luke is so calm and collected until things start to turn. Um, in the favor of the empire. Um, but you know, as, as the duel progresses, right. Ultimately what causes Luke to, to, to brush up the closest hill I've ever brushed up to the dark side, um, is well, debatably until 
you know, he contemplates that brief period of killing his nephew, um, which, by the way, is not out of character for Luke. You know, I'm just kind of sick of that argument of not my Luke because we we see Luke give in here. And ultimately, why does Luke give in? Why does Luke lash out? Well, it's because Vader threatens his sister. He threatens his family. What is most important and dear to him? You know, everything I love, to use his line from Last Jedi. <laughs> you know, that's what causes Luke to lash out. Huge difference, though, between the Luke lashing out because he literally physically lashes out against Vader in Turn of the Jedi, but he's much more calm and collected in Last Jedi. Yes, he ignites that saber for but a brief moment. Um, but again, so I'm just just trying to point out how not out of line with Luke's character that moment is in Last right. Jedi. Right? He doesn't do it. He do, he immediately realizes like that's not that I'm not going to do this. But again, yeah. the damage has been done because Ben saw it and Ben interprets right. it a different way. Right. And and the thing is, is while while Luke is a Jedi master, and especially by the time of Last Jedi, um, he's a well-revered, well-studied um, Jedi master. And, you know, to a point, you know, he, he's a well-read, well-studied, well-learned Jedi Knight in Ret- uh, Return of the Jedi. There's still that impulsive farm boy. Mm, yeah. Very deep within him. That that's still, you know, probably, you know, somewhere in the recesses of his mind, there was a Tuscan attack on the homestead and everybody had to jump into action to save each other. And that brings out this gut reaction to take people out, to take things down in order to protect his family, you know, um, and those he loves. And that's what happens with Vader. Here in Return of the Jedi is what happens with Kylo, his, uh, Ben, as we saw in Last Jedi. Uh, but specifically to the duel, when Vader threatens Leia, you know, if you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. And you know he's saying that just to get under Luke's skin. Well, it worked. Um, and rather effectively. Maybe too effectively. Um, because <laughs> the only thing that snaps Luke out of that is the fact that he takes off his dad's hand and realizes, oh, I am much closer to becoming my father than I thought I was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that iconic shot, right? Looks down at the severed hand, looks at his own mechanical hand. He's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> um, well, that was not my brightest moment. <laughs> yeah. But there's, you know, I mean, again, that's nothing more human, though, than what makes us the angriest, what causes most people to react so strongly in a, in a violent way is when what is most dear to them is threatened. And yeah. even just thinking of this like in a global way, right? Like we who live in America live a very fortunate, privileged lifestyle. And when horrible things happen throughout the world, most of us don't really pay attention or don't even usually care. And I, I don't mean that to be so flippant, but it's kind of the truth. But then when somebody you know flies planes into two t- towers, understandably, right? We get really upset. But there's a there's an anger and a and a um uh a sense of of, of righteousness that we you know we need to indignation. Yeah, right. We get so upset because they. It was an attack on us. It was an attack on what we care about. But when people do stuff like this every day in other countries throughout the world, which is all too true and sadly true, we don't seem to have that response. And um, right, I think that's but that's a human response. You know, if yeah. 
because it's not us it's not our home if i see if i'm if i'm out and i see somebody get punched in the face i don't really care but if somebody turns and punches my friend in the face i'm gonna jump into action right (laughs) um it i mean there's nothing more human about like uh, there all the tactics the emperor tries with luke are totally like they're just bouncing off of him like you know superman with a bullet Right. Like, you know, join me. Like, you know, it's, you know, take your father's place at my side. Like, he doesn't want that at all. He doesn't care about that. Luke is not a power hungry, lusting person like Anakin was. But the one thing it seems like in a way you almost wonder if this is Vader's tactic or the Anakin invader's tactic about like, oh, wait a minute. What caused me to fall to the dark side? The people I, you know, the woman I loved was at, was in at risk. So Vader immediately goes at that right like luke doesn't want to be in power he doesn't care about being the emperor's right hand man what luke cares about is his sister his friends his family i'll threaten that that'll cause him to get that'll that'll upset him right and he's right (laughs) oh he's right well it it's it like father like son and i don't think that's something palpatine quite understands i think palpatine sees the the larger view of things um when with Anakin's fall, um, Anakin falls. Uh, obviously, he he's falling because he wants to learn how to save Padme's life because he fears Padme is about to die, um, and so Palpatine dangles this power out in front of him—the ability to you know save others from death. Um, and Anakin sees that as something for his wife, not necessarily something to raise his own stature as something to become more powerful in and of himself, but something that he can save Padme. Right. And that connection completely bypasses Palpatine. Right. Yeah. And so he doesn't even try, you know, to get anything too personal other than, you know, your friends on the Endor moon will not survive. You know, there is no escape. You know, that, that's about as personal as he gets with Luke. Yeah. And Vader's like, no, no, no. He's my son. We need to take this much closer to home. Yeah. Yeah. Although real quick, just a, a quick side point, because in, in light of what you just said, it just made me think that, you know, I, I totally agree that Anakin's primary purpose and primary motives for for joining the dark side for helping out palpatine is yes it's definitely about padme but also anakin's a very different he had a very different upbringing than luke yeah he grew up as a slave so i think in some way power is important to anakin in a way that it never would be for luke because he was powerless for the first decade of his life he was somebody's property um so yeah the idea of power is certainly appealing to anakin in a way that it wouldn't be for luke it's one reason why he wanted to uh get away from all of this and become a jedi because he thought jedi were the most powerful beings ever yeah right exactly no one can kill a jedi i wish that was so so. (laughs) good old qui-gon good old Um, qui-gon he beat Kanan in our This Is Madness. I know. That I, that that matchup, the fact that that was our first one, I'm like, this is going to, it's, ter- you know, I'm being torn apart. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and thus far, it's the closest matchup we've had. Of course, you know, we're Only- we're recording this on day two of our This Is Madness tournament. So right. it's not it'll, like we have It'll come out on day four. So <laughs> Yes. Um, 
But anyway, uh, one thing I wanted to just quickly mention in this 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 scene in Return of the Jedi as well is I, I meant to grab the novel so I could read it right out of it, but I, I forgot to. It's downstairs, so I'm not going to take a second to run down and grab it. But in the Return of the Jedi novel, um, there is this great moment when Luke decides not to strike down his father. And ultimately, it, it, I, I can't say it verbatim because I don't have it memorized, but it's something along the lines of how Luke rejects the darkness. Luke even looks at Palpatine and understands that it's the darkness within him that he's rejecting. It's not even directly the person, but it's this idea that Luke realizes that no longer can you fight the darkness because the fight itself is the tool of the dark side. So that's why Luke makes the decision. It's, it's, it's a, it's really beautifully written. I believe the author is, I want to say his name is James Kahn um, that wrote the return of the Jedi novel, but it's, it's actually a really well-written part of the novel. Um, and uh, I just I really like that that language of use of how Luke recognizes. And again, I think in a way that's something Yoda recognized right at the end of his duel with Sidious in Revenge of the Sith is like I can. And, and I, it's also in the Revenge of the Sith novel. Oh, my God, I love that book. Um, but right, it's this recognition that you can't use war to fight someone who uses war. Right. Like that's that's not the tactic to go about it. Um, and that's why Luke ultimately rejects his lightsaber is because he recognizes that violence here is the very tool of the darkness. So he rejects it. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm currently reading the last Jedi novel, which is really good. Um, it, it's really making me appreciate the film more. Um, it's not quite on par with what revenge of the Sith is the novel compared to the movie. Um, it's certainly, it's certainly really good and it enhances the film, but the revenge of the Sith novel is like just such a damn good book. So, um, it, it stands alone. It really does. Yeah. The, the last Jedi novel is very short. Actually, it's kind of surprising. I'm almost done with it. I've only been reading for like two days. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, uh, just to kind of wrap this moment up to me, like the reason this is kind of a defining moment for Luke is um, I, I actually in my notes, I, I put this quote from last Jedi. Luke chooses to, he chooses not to fight what he hates, but save what he loves, right? Mm -hmm. He's not fighting the darkness that he hates. He's saving his father that he loves. Um, yeah. So, so even that, that, that theme we get in last Jedi is personified in this moment with Luke Skywalker. Um, and uh, yeah. I, I just, I just think that's so beautiful. Um, and again, he chooses to be a Jedi. Them. I mean, he, he obviously literally says that. You know, you and I both, Jason, it's probably one of our favorite moments in all of Star Wars. You know, I am a yes. Jedi like my father before me. He chooses to be a Jedi, and unlike his father, right? How does a Jedi choose to win? A Jedi does not choose to win by murder. A Jedi chooses to win through nonviolence, and that's what Luke personifies there. Um, yeah. So it's this defining moment of like, that's who Luke will be. He will be as, as, as kind of paradoxical as the statement is, he will be a nonviolent um, uh, warrior. warrior. Thank you. Yeah. And, and that's what he ultimately continues to be in last Jedi. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah. again, yeah, my, no, my, it's my, I'm just gonna say real quick, like, I, I want to be clear. Yes, I like many people wanted to see Luke whip out that lightsaber and kick some ass at the end of the movie. <laughs> However, I recognize what he does do is way more consistent with his character and way more powerful than him just whipping out his lightsaber and kicking some butt. Yeah, yeah. No, he's uh, he's quite something special, and we see the beginnings of when Luke retakes his mantle of Jedi in the Last Jedi we can directly see how he got to the point 
of where he is just beginning to develop here in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. You know, that's one thing I will say Last Jedi does very well is it connects Return of the Jedi and Last Jedi together through the character of Luke in a way that I've only recently begun to appreciate. So, yeah. Uh, thank you, Ryan Johnson, for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he, for ports. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> um, he did. I mean, um, but speaking of The Last Jedi, yes. uh, this is the only uh, throne room duel that we have that's not in the final chapter of its trilogy. Right. Yeah, it's... It's it's very it's a very different placement for this iconic Star Wars moment, um, and that's why I really think Episode Nine is going to be very very different in, in a way that even Last Jedi wasn't. Um, Last Jedi is very much its own movie, but it still follows a lot of the tropes of Star Wars. Um, and right, like I think we all suspected that we would probably get a moment like this in Episode Nine. Right. Right. Um, and we're obviously not going to like Snoke is the supreme leader. There is no, you know, there's no, uh, there's no right hand man to. I mean, yeah, Hux, but Hux is not. I mean, he's the butt of all the jokes, apparently. Um, <laughs> including the fact that I'm pretty sure Poe calls him General Hugs. Pretty sure he calls him General Hugs at the beginning. Oh General yeah, he Hugs. does. Yeah, I finally have noticed that. Like. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely does several times too, right? And Hux keeps saying, "This is General Hux." He's like, "I'm holding for General Hux." Hugs, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hugs. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty good. But yes, Hux is the butt of the jokes. Uh, Snoke was the supreme leader, was, and at the moment that we're about to talk about, he currently is for the last remaining moments of his life. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. So, I mean, again, like I kind of said at the top of the show, to me, this this particular throne room scene is it's more about Kylo and his relationship to Snoke than it is about Rey. I mean, Rey is she's not quite a pawn in the way that like Obi-Wan is in that in this moment in Revenge of the Sith or or even Vader is in um, Return of the Jedi. Um, but her motives are just very clear. Yeah, she's going. She I don't think again, similar to Luke in Return of the Jedi. I don't think Luke expected Vader to turn him over to the Emperor, and I don't think Rey expected Kylo to turn her over to Snoke. No. Um, but Rey's motivation is pretty clear. Um, once she realized what Snoke's up to, like I just I've got to kill Snoke, right? Like I got to destroy Snoke. Yeah. Um, well, Rey even, is a very even beforehand her 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 motivation. She states her motivation. She's going there to save Kylo in order to save the Resistance. Right. You know. That's that's her goal. And when, you know, Ben doesn't reciprocate that when they meet face to face in real life for the first time um, in Last Jedi uh, and he takes her to Snoke, she feels a little betrayed. Yeah. Um, And I think you're right. I think this duel is a lot of development for for Ben, for Kylo. because Rey has already gotten a lot of her development previous to this with Luke on Octo. Um, there are definitely some key moments for Rey, and I'll want to bring those up as we get to them. But I think you're right. Overall, this is more development for, for Kylo uh, than anybody else. Right. And if you think about it, because again, this the whole movie is ultimately mirroring 
Kylo and Rey. And Rey has just left. She has rejected her quote unquote teacher. She's literally fought him. Um, and uh, again, just again, really quick side note, and just because I, you know, was stupid enough to read more, um, you know, social media uh, comments about people who hate hate the Last Jedi and say like, oh, it's ridiculous that Ray beats Luke. Ray doesn't really beat Luke. Like Luke pretty much owns her in that fight. She just gets a quick surprise like lightsaber pull. That's it. <laughs> like he's not, he's just he's not trying to beat her anyways. Exactly. <laughs> and, but if you watch him fight her, right? He's like at one point he's literally has both hands behind his back as she swings at him and he just sidesteps it. Like he's clearly in control. Like if he wanted to, he could easily demolish Ray. He just chooses not to. <laughs> yeah, no, he th- he's trying to find out what this is about. To to bring right. out what her what she's pushing for what she's aiming at and right. and i mean honestly she pulls the lightsaber and he falls down but he holds himself for a moment with the force before he you know before she relents and then when she pulls the lightsaber back up t- closer to her is when he lets himself go and hit the ground you know and, and slowly sink to the ground so he's he could have like leapt back up and taken her out you know, I just pulled that lightsaber right out of her hand with the force if he wanted to. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And I want to be clear really quick. I know like I, I obviously I, I've really come around a lot to the last Jedi in the last, just in the last few, few weeks really. And especially with it being on home release. Um, I've, I've really, I'm really starting to learn as, as uh, my, my friend Greg predicted, like this movie is going to age really well. Um, it's def- definitely for me. Um, I still don't think it's going to ever like be one of my top Star Wars films, but I'm really starting to appreciate the the subtle genius that Ryan brought to the table. Um, and but, I'm I'm eager to discuss that, but I still don't have it on home video yet because I'm waiting for the Blu-ray. Only one more week from today, my friend. I know it's exciting. <laughs> um, but anyway, going back into this moment, um, you know, uh, is, 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 so. You know, we've already talked earlier about like the emperor's motivations in both the scenes, right? Is to ultimately just manipulate this person into joining him, joining the dark side. Snoke's motivation in these in this this moment is it's kind of twofold. He he wants to use Ray to learn where Luke is. He has no interest in Ray, right? He has no interest in turning her, no interest in what she's about. He doesn't care. She's a nobody to him, and he just wants to use her to get where Luke is. And then, you know, he wants to push Kylo to make that final step, like pull the trigger here, you know, um, just like you did with your, your father. I need you to do it here. I want you and, and not let it break you the way it did with your father. Um, yeah. You know, th- th- this is this is what's going to seal Kylo's decision to join the dark side, to join Snoke. You know, the, the, he's he faltered. With Han, with his father, he faltered dramatically. You know, he <laughs> and Snoke called him on it at the beginning of Last Jedi, um, and so this is this is a proving match to Snoke. This is this is to prove Kylo once and for all that he deserves to be his right hand. You know, right? Yeah. You know, and um, well, I, like I said to you before we recorded, I, I actually just watched Last Jedi tonight before before we hopped on. Um, and something I was thinking that really had me thinking a lot about setting up the importance of this scene later in the film 
But that moment, right, that first scene between Kylo and Snoke, um, you know, he's mocking him, take that mask off. You know, you have too much of your father's heart in you. Um, but what really what really grabbed my attention when I watched that scene today was when Snoke is saying, you know, um, when I saw you, I saw what all true masters live for, you know, raw, untamed power. And on top of that, something truly special, your bloodline, a new Vader, right? And I think when Snoke corrupts Ben to the dark side, it's with this promise of look Look at the lineage you come from. Again, we don't have we have very little right now in the expanded universe to explain where Ben and Luke were at before all this goes down. The little bit we got is from, you know, um, the Bloodline novel by Claudia Gray. And all we know is that a few years before First Awakens, Ben and Luke are out running around the galaxy like, again, probably continuing just uncovering Jedi mysteries and things about the Force, right? Yeah, and I bet I bet you Snoke's inroads is, is when he learns um, who Kylo actually is a descendant of. I think he'll start to use that and say, like, "Look who you're the descendant of! Like, what are you wasting your time with your uncle for? Like, he is not letting you become your full potential, right? I mean, and that's that's even Kylo's thesis in the entire film is kill the past because it's the only way to become what you're meant to be, right? You know, Kylo's trying to become what he believes he's meant to be. And I think what Snoke has put into his head is you need to be the next Vader, right? And even Rey in Force Awakens uncovers this. Like your biggest fear is that you're not going to be the next, you're never going to be as powerful as Darth Vader. Um, So I think for Kylo, um, this, this particular moment, right in this throne room is this is his moment to do the thing Vader was never capable of was never powerful enough to do, which was wipe out his master. Yeah. And that's why this scene I think is so big for Kylo's because Kylo's able to go one step further than Vader. And that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. He's able to take, you know, on the, the, the playing board, he's able to take another step forward. Now, whether that means he's as powerful as Vader or as, you know, as skilled as Vader remains to be seen. Because at this point, I can't say that's the case. Um, You know, he's definitely not. uh, He's much more rash than Vader. Vader's Mm. powerful, but he's also methodical. He's lost that that rashness. To a, a, a large extent that he had as Anakin, um, but Kylo doesn't have control of his emotions. He doesn't have, you know, of course he hasn't had years of depression to help tamp that down uh, like Vader has. But um, <laughs> so yeah, well, I, I really feel like Kylo is more analogous to you know prequel Anakin than he is to Vader. Right? Oh yeah, that, with that instability, oh, yeah. that rage, that fire. Oh yeah, no, he totally is. Um, and so I think, I think while still on the playing board, he's taking out his master, which is something Vader never did. There's still always going to be that idea. Well, am I living up to, to what Vader became? Am I living up to what he was able to accomplish? Um, because in terms of power, in terms of strength, in terms of skill, I don't think so yet. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, so uh, Kylo in this moment, the you know, it, it's Kylo's defining moment because he 
chooses to destroy Snoke. Um, and for him, that is the catalyst for him being free of, of Snoke's control. It, it is Kylo's journey in a way is somewhat similar to Anakin's. I mean, the, we don't know the deep motivations like we did with Anakin, right? Like Anakin is purely motivated by trying to save the people he loves specifically Padme and even, you know, to, to a lesser extent, his mother in attack of the clones. Um, we don't know exactly what's motivating Kylo. That still has yet to be explained. Um, but we do know that he is sick of being under Snoke's thumb. That's for damn sure. And mm-hmm. and he's going to supersede that. And I think in Kylo's mind, Snoke is not a capable leader of the galaxy. And I think for Kylo... He he truly believes that he knows what's what's best for the future of the galaxy, and he's going to be the one who's going to make that a reality. And the reason I like that particular theme so much is because it's very similar to the path that Jason Solo takes in the the old Legends canon when he becomes Darth Kytus. He yeah. doesn't fall to the dark side, and, he, and I remember in some of those books when he initially falls, is he even himself like has the thought process of like, well, no, I'm not my grandfather. You know, I'm not doing this to save some woman I love or anything like that. I'm doing this because the galaxy needs this, and I find that to be somewhat true with Kylo's path. Is Kylo's choosing to go this way because he thinks that that's ultimately what is best for the galaxy? Again, right? Like, no, no villain sees themselves as a villain. They see themselves as a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I, I appreciate and again, I don't know if that's meant to be intentional or not, but I appreciate that it's a similar um, a similar story point as what happens with Jason Solo becoming Darth Kytus. Yeah, yeah. And and I like um, I like what you said that, it, you know, he wants to be free of Snoke's control. This is his emancipation. He's taking his his liberty back from Snoke. Um which is what Ray went there to do. Ray went there to help free Ben from the grip of Snoke. Right. And so, you know, she thinks that she's won. You know, she thinks that they've they've taken on Snoke, they've eliminated him. This is this means he's going to turn. This means he's going to be good. He's going to come back to the resistance, come back to Luke, come back to his mother. No, no, because as you said, Kylo believes he's the only one with the answers. And I think, you know, he talks a lot about letting the past die. And I think one of the things he, he believes is Snoke is still a part of that past. You know, he's, he's part of, of what that past was. Um, Because let's face it, the, the first order is a, a rehash of the galactic empire's greatest hits. Um, <laughs> it, it really is. That's all it is. And, and so I think Kylo wants to take it somewhere different, somewhere beyond what it was. Um, and Snoke is not necessarily doesn't have the motivation to do that. He's content with being emperor. He's content with being Palpatine. Content, excuse me, not contempt. Content with being Palpatine. Um, and Kylo thinks that you know, I'm pretty. I think Kylo thinks that that Snoke is still part of that old past, and he's got to kill it, all of it. 
Yeah. Both of his masters, the resistance that clings to the, the new Republic, you know, it, everything must be cleansed in his fire. And he wants Ray to be a part of that. Right. And Ray can't do that. No. No, because Ray is that innately good person who still believes in the, the you know, the path of the Jedi, the, the, the code of the Jedi, even though she's not one per se. Um, she knows that that's not the, the right way to go about it. Um, and also, right, like as Ryan has pointed out in several interviews and articles, Kylo's thesis of let the past die is the same thesis that Luke clings to. Um, right. I will never train another generation of Jedi. It's time for them to end. Um, yeah, they both inherently believe that that's what needs to happen for something new to arise. Um, they just have very different ways of going about it for Kylo. It's to be very proactive, physically go out there, destroy the things that are from the past so that something new can come about. Luke is, I'm just going to recede into the background and let things die out on their own so that something else Mm -hmm. can arise, right? Like um, it's it's similar desires, just different modes. Um, Yeah. So. And and at the same time, there's this connection between Ray and Kylo. They both feel very alone. Ray, because she's trying to seek to become something more, and the person that's supposed to help her isn't. Right. And Kylo, because he thinks he's the only one with the answers. Yeah. And they have found each other, and in this moment, they think that vision that they had of each other's future is about to come to pass. Right. And from a certain point of view, it did. Yeah. Ray's vision comes true. Like Kylo doesn't bow before Snoke. No. Um, and Ray, you know, and Kylo's vision does come true. When the moment came, Ray does choose to fight with him. Yeah. But for the moment. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the moment's gone. Yep. Always in motion is the future. And many possible futures there are. Including the one where Kylo completely screws it by screws it up by continuing to blast the resistance ships out of the sky and asks Ray to join him in his uh, vision of conquest and cleansing of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yep, Great. and that's when she says no and leaves, and <laughs> that ends that when the Kuiper crystal inside the lightsaber shatters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, the, the, the kind of the last thing I wanted to mention, if you were uh, like, if are, are you, is there anything more you wanted to say about the, this moment from last Jedi? I think that's good. Yeah. Um, well, just the one thing I was thinking about, you know, ultimately what makes all of these points to me similar and why we can easily talk about them in, you know, in a specific episode of a podcast is they are all ultimately about uh, a, a, a central character defining their destiny, right? I mean, um, Palpatine doesn't specifically say it in Revenge of the Sith, but he says it, you know, in Return of the Jedi to Luke, you know, um, fulfill your destiny and take your father's place at my side. Snoke says it, you know, 
you know, strike her down and fulfill your destiny. Right. And, and we've, uh, talked about these things before, um, you know, the idea of destiny and, and, uh, right. It's importance in star Wars. And these are moments in which these characters choose their destinies by what they do in these very climactic moments. Yeah. And it, it defines who they are going forward and everything from this point on is, is changed. You know, some, this is a transformational moment. Um, and I'm just kind of saying what you said in a different way, but it, it transforms, <laughs> you know, who they are into, you know, what they're supposed to be, what they're going to become. Um, and obviously we see how that works out for Anakin. Um, he joined the emperor and it became Darth Vader, uh, joined the dark side uh, we saw how that worked out with Luke. He became very devoted to the Jedi Order, started a new Jedi Order, trained his nephew and other young students in the ways of the Force, and then when that fell apart, walked away. But what we don't know yet is how this is going to define Kylo moving forward. Um, and that's going to be the interesting thing. Because there is so many ways this can go. And I'm really interested to see what happens right. Um, right. with Kylo. Because Rey, I think, has had her big journey, her big challenge. Um, and I think, aside from becoming you know, well-established as whatever the new Jedi looks like in Episode Nine, her big story is about told. We just have to see the, you know, how, you know, what all that looks like. Kylo, on the other hand, still has room to wiggle with his story, with how he develops. Because now that he's in charge, now that he's in command, we still need to see what that does to someone so young and immature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, really quick, and and I'm I'm actually feeling a, an episode idea brewing here, but just as a a short like precursor to that potential, <laughs> I'm thinking about Luke. Right, Yoda's final final command to Luke is to pass on what he learns. He never mm -hmm. says start a new Jedi Order. He never says recreate what was torn apart. You know, 20 years ago, I don't think Yoda would want Luke to recreate the Jedi Order of the Old Republic. Because it was flawed. It was inherently arrogant and, and like Luke says, full of hubris. Um, so, and Luke never says, I started a new temple. He says, I started a training um, academy. Or no, he doesn't say, maybe he does say training temple. But I don't think Luke's intention as it stands in, in you know the new canon was to ever recreate what came before. I think he was no. trying to figure out which is probably why he takes so long to start anything is because I think he's trying to figure out what is the route to go. And as soon as his nephew betrays him, I think that's why he's just so heartbroken of like, Oh my gosh, I couldn't even do that. Right. I'm done. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he, he spent so long figuring out what the lessons were going to be, what the new, face of the Jedi in a way it was going to look like how they were going to operate. Um, because I, you're right from what it sounds like, it doesn't sound like Luke was just going to pick up where the, you know, the old Jedi order left off. Um, 
which would have been folly because that they shot themselves in the foot and largely responsible for their own downfall um, because of their corruption and their getting involved in bureaucratic nonsense. Um, but um, you're right. I don't think Luke's new Jedi order, whatever that is or was, was going to look like the old. And so right. we're going to see now how Ray takes that moving forward. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, there are some of, you know, our thoughts on these big, as much as we obviously call it throne room duels, you're like, oh, I thought you were going to talk about the fights. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, the fights are just cool. There's not much to say. <laughs> um, right. I mean, to be um, honest. But I, I think it's more about like these, these duels and their climactic moments of, you know, again, these characters choosing their destinies, choosing what kind of character, what kind of hero they want to be. Um, or, mm. or not hero they want to be, I guess. Right. Um, right. Although in all of their minds, they are being heroic, right? Anakin, pro- he does see himself as a hero. He's rescued his friend and he's eradicated a monster. Luke clearly is a hero, no doubt about it. And Kylo mm-hmm. sees himself as a hero because he's eradicated a tyrant, a tyrant and sees himself as the one who's, who is equipped to be the Supreme leader. Um, so in all of their minds, they're choosing to be heroes, but what kind of heroes do they choose to be, right? Only one of them chooses nonviolence. So that is true. Um, but anyway, as always, you know, we, we uh, encourage you to share your thoughts on, on what you think about these big climactic moments in the Star Wars saga, you know, and you can do that on our social media. You can send us emails. You know, we always love to hear your thoughts. And, and real quick in regards to emails, because obviously we've gotten some great emails in, in even just the past few months. And sometimes it takes us a little bit to respond. I do apologize. Um, the main reason for that is because usually when we get those types of emails, they're so well thought out, so well put together that um, it just takes us time to think about how to respond. And, and we want to give you um, an adequate response rather than like, that's great. Thanks. <laughs> um, right. So, um, so it, just to be advised, like in case you've ever sent an email and you're like, oh, you guys take a while to respond. And the main reason is, well, obviously the main service reason is we're both extremely busy, but also beneath, you know, but digging a little deeper, it's because we want to give you a, a, a well thought out response because you've given such a well thought out uh, email. So exactly. Uh, so, but please keep coming. Keep, please keep keeping them coming. And, and we really appreciate it. And just a really quick shout out to, to our Larry and Patrick uh, Rainier because Patrick sends us, I swear he sends us an email like every week with his, his response to our show and you know, his predictions for the next show or whatever. And we really appreciate that, that, that consistent input, Patrick, and and apologies, we don't always respond right away, but uh, please know we see the emails, we read them, and we appreciate them. Yes, definitely. So, um, but uh-huh. J- again, yeah, please, please, please share our uh, our, our madness tournament. You know, get that out yes. on social media. Um, invite people to, to to participate as well. It's a lot more fun when we've got more. Um, today's like obviously we're recording on a Tuesday. Um. You know today's matchup uh, is 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 not very close, but I I have a feeling that they're going to continue to get much closer. Yeah, no the the ones that we had on Monday were fairly close. Oh yeah, today's not so much, but uh, that will actually change Excellent. rather quickly. I believe you are right. Yes, and Carl, if they want to uh, weigh in on our daily. This is Madness Character Tournament, Monday through Friday. Um, <laughs> or if they want to, you know, 
leave us a comment about anything else, where exactly can they do that? Um, they can do it on Facebook uh, at, at, at facebook.com slash podcast. Um, our Twitter handle, of course, is at Wampuslayer. Um, our email is wampuslayerpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and for those of you interested in supporting the show in a more, uh, uh, I don't want to say proactive way, because that seems diminishing to those who aren't on this, but if you want to, if you want to support the show uh, on Patreon, yes, um, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash wampuslayerpodcast. Yes. Uh, where we've got some fun stuff for you. But... Anything else, Carl? Before we wrap this up, uh, no, my friend. That was that was a lot of fun. I agree. We should do it again. Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This has been episode number two hundred and seventy-four. Throne room duels for Carl. I'm Jason, and we will see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair.